Hi, my name is Kevin McQuillan, and the following pre-recorded conversations are my attempt to make sense of the human experience through the practice of yoga. I hope you enjoy. Okay, good morning. Nice to be with you. What a gathering. Mm-hmm. What a gathering. I thought it'd be interesting to talk about anger. I thought that would be interesting to talk about anger this morning and offer you a class focused on anger. And you could say to yourself, what the hell is going on? I'm supposed to be having a good time here. <laughs> You're on retreat. Who wants to get into an anger, angry state? And that's what I'll be requesting of you as we move into practice, is that you stir yourself up and get a sense of this side of you that is there for sure and needs to come out every once in a while. Have you noticed <laughs> when anger swells up and reveals itself? And sometimes um, what reveals itself is like the monstrous side of us. You know, like the dragon reveals itself and it's like looking to mess some stuff up with some fire and heat, these kinds of things. And the challenge of anger is that it's often not integrated. So we get angry and ah, lash out and these kinds of things. And it's um, used to protect and destroy in some ways, you know, the emotion of anger. And uh, I could imagine you can relate. Have you ever messed some things up by getting angry? Said some things? Yeah? Created a mess out there? Yeah. <laughs> that can occur, and it occurs often when, you know, like a confrontation or a problem uh, reveals itself in our world, and whether it's expected or unexpected, and often the ways in which we deal with confrontation is through anger, and you know, it's like something new is a threat, or something old, and I know this, and it's a threat, and I should be concerned, and it's like, ha, the defenses are up, and the ways in which we defend ourselves and protect ourselves is through this fiery experience of anger. And you could say like frustration, irritation, annoyance, and these kinds of things are pretty close. They're like cousins. <laughs> and that's, we, we can use these emotions to protect, defend, but also weaken. Weaken those that are around us as a way to control and dominate. And that's the tendency. I want this to be gone as quickly as possible, so I'm going to smother it with this particular emotion. And whatever I need to do, I puff myself up or whatever it is and, I don't know, breathe some fire or work myself up into a frenzy and take off. I don't know, whatever you do. And the anger you is an interesting you. It's a fascinating part of you, us, the angry you. And there's some distinctions up on the board. Up on the top board, the angry you has a tendency of being rigid. There's a rigidity that comes from getting angry. It's like this building, 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 and we tighten up. We tighten up. And um, it's very difficult to not only see and listen. It's very difficult to see and to listen when we're so rigid and so tight. And it leads into this impulsive experience where we're focused on the short term. The short term, what's right in front of us. And it's like, threat, threat, something like that. And no, not concerned about long-term consequences. And so willing to say something or do something in the short term 
that most likely has some long-term consequences attached to it. But we're not thinking like that in the moment. And we sure like to be right. We want to be right. The angry you wants to be right. Do you like being right? Oh, there's nothing quite like it. <laughs> and it's like, I'm right, you're wrong. And let me tell you how wrong you are. It goes something like that will hurt in an effort to weaken and destroy. And I find that very interesting. And that is the tendency when the angry you pops up. It's the design is to, how do I weaken this individual? And if they're weak, I'm strong. And if I'm stronger, most likely I'll survive this. And that's a good thing. And you could say to yourself, ah, I, don't, I don't do that in my relationships. It's say, like, yeah, you do. If you pause for a few moments and really consider the angry you, and what's underneath all of this. It's going to be attached to survival. And it's kind of a weird thing, you know? It's like you're with somebody that you've known for I don't know how long and love and respect in some ways, and all of a sudden they turn into this wild threat. This demon pops up, and it's like, ah! You are a threat, and I need to destroy you as quickly as possible. Let me, so let me attempt to do that. And so that's the tendency with the angry you. And that's where we're disintegrated. We're not integrated into using our anger in a wise way. There's a lot of energy attached to anger, if you haven't noticed. And you'd be able to pull it in, pool it, and to focus it, and concentrate on the long-term, the long-term long mm, consequences of our actions, which requires a tremendous amount of discipline. And the only way to find and, and create discipline, as I see it, is to go into places we don't necessarily want to go consciously. And that's the point of this practice, is to stir yourself up in a conscious way and to notice what comes up. And to notice the energy that you have and your tendencies, your thought patterns, the way in which you feel, the way in which you want to behave, and all these kinds of things that, that um, reveal themselves as you start toying with your anger. What's on the other side of anger, of course, is integration and most likely everything you want. <laughs> and so that's kind of a beautiful thing, if it's used wisely. That's not always the tendency. We're not so wise when we are angry. And so the attempt of this practice is to stir yourself up so you get angry in some ways, and to be able to pool it and to use it and to funnel it into, or in, into practices that are responsible such as poses and kriyas and breath work and these kinds of things. And that's the practice. It's like, how do I get this thing aligned and moving in the right direction, no matter what's coming up in me? And as I mentioned, angry, uh, anger is a consequence often of um, like a confrontation. And the confrontation often is within us that we're not saying something or avoiding something or a combination of both. And that focuses on the threat. The threat. You're making me feel this way. The confrontation is I need to say something I'm not saying. I need to confront something I'm not confronting. And you're putting it right in front of me and I don't like it. So get out of the way. And so that's interesting, if you think about that. And if you think about your life right now, it's like, huh, what am I not saying? What am I avoiding in my life currently right now? 
And I imagine you'd come up with a short list, maybe a long list, who knows? If you can pool and integrate your anger in a particular way and move into this, these places that you don't necessarily want to go, how different your life could be. If you stopped avoiding things, if you said what you needed to say in a way that people could hear it, <laughs> and that's different, and that's an important distinction, saying things in a way that people can actually hear it. Through anger, the chances of somebody hearing you is really unlikely. Because it's like, whoa, I've done something wrong. I'm not safe. I need to protect. That's the receiving side, typically. And there's not much closeness or intimacy or understanding when it comes to uh, that exchange. And so it's detrimental, typically. And so the focus of our time together, this class and the workshop to follow, is unpacking anger in some ways and what supports anger and what are some strategies that support the angry you in some ways. So that's the attempt. Attempt to put these things together for you. And so you leave our time together this morning with much more understanding of yourself. And ideally, you can apply it into your life real time. That's the attempt through this teaching. And that's true. If you're here, if you're here full-heartedly and uh, engaged with this experience, your future could be different. That's how I hold it. And I'm serious about that. That what you'll learn this morning will be interesting for you. The angry you, what supports the angry you, the strategies, and the kind of messes that you make in your life as a consequence of these strategies. And in some ways, it's like the backbone of my teaching, in some ways, this approach. And um, it's often not integrated in people as, as I see it. So they don't really understand what they're up against. And that's why change is so difficult. Ever tried to change? <laughs> it's not so easy. <laughs> and so the idea is to build out a map and ways in which you can change. And you know you need to change. That's the reality. You know you need to change in some areas of your life. If you can use the energy of anger to support change, you'll be better off. Otherwise, it's going to be blocking you from changing. Because change is a confrontation. How do we deal with confrontation? Typically through anger. It's a threat. And so you could argue that your future is a threat. You could say that. And so to be able to transform this experience in some ways and use the energy of anger to actually motivate you into change. Two fundamental emotions that support anger are also up on the board, as I see it, it's fear and shame. I'm going to unpack both fear and shame in some ways here this morning before we get into class, so hopefully this makes more, much more sense. You know, there's a lot of reasons why to be angry. <laughs> there's a lot of reasons to be angry, especially these days, a lot. And the tendency is like, mm, no, that's not allowed, that's not right, these kinds of things. You know, we've got this whole presupposition around fear, uh, anger. And there's a lot of reasons to be angry these days. And it's an appropriate response in a whole host of different ways, anger.
And what I'll attempt to do here through fear and shame is to unpack some of the reasons why you may be angry. <laughs> and so the left side of the board is fear. And a, dis a brief description of fear is when safety and security is threatened. Fear, it's like, ah, I'm not safe kind of experience. My security is threatened, and I don't like it, and I need to protect myself. And the attempt here is to avoid conflict and rejection. We attempt to avoid conflict and rejection. It's like, who likes to be rejected? Nobody. The concern is intolerable discomfort and pain, that I'm going to experience something I don't want to experience, and I'm concerned about that, so best I avoid it as quickly as possible. And you are the source of my horrible discomfort. <laughs> I'm just making this up. <laughs> the qualities that manifest from this is anxiety, clinginess, and dependence. We get anxious, we start clinging, clinging on to habits that we have, who we know ourselves to be, start clinging on to other people, ah, keep me safe. We start depending on people, I can't take care of myself, so damn it, please take care of me. Hug me, squeeze me, protect me, I don't know. However it shows up, the focal point is on relationships. We tend to go into relationships. We go to people, people. Not all the time, but that's the tendency, especially when we're clingy and we get dependent. It happens within relationships. And we seek safety by pleasing. What a beautiful way to hold on to relationship. The tendencies were not straight. I'm not feeling, I'm feeling unsafe but I'm going to please so you keep me around so I do feel safe, so I'm not alone. Let me please you, please you, please you, so you keep me around because I'm so sweet. I'm so nice. I'm a cute little kitten that will not harm you, so hold me and cuddle me and whisper sweet nothings to me, these kinds of things. And so that is the approach as the pleaser. Let me move into relationship, cling on to you through pleasing, so you keep me around, so I can feel safe. Because when I'm alone, I don't feel safe. Stimulates in others, feeling smothered and inadequate. So the strategy of pleasing ultimately smothers people, and they feel inadequate because the pleaser will do everything for people. And it's like, hey, I was going to do that. No, 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 let me do it. You just sit, relax. It's like, well, no, I actually wanted to do something. No. <laughs> and the focus is on pleasing somebody. And it's like a wet blanket. <laughs> Combing their hair and brushing their teeth and I don't know, whatever. And so they can feel inadequate, especially over a span of time. Because they don't have the opportunity to do anything for themselves. The outcome is the very thing that we don't experience, conflict and rejection. It's like, stop smothering me. Get away from me. <laughs> Something like that. And so it's like this rejection that can happen. You're smothering me. I can't do anything on my own. It's too much or something like that. And so what can end up happening is we feel this experience. There's conflict and rejection. What happens when conflict and rejection comes? The tendency is to get angry. So not only are we angering other people by attempting to please them, we also end up angry that somebody's rejecting us. 
And so the outcome, the ultimate outcome, is we're experiencing fear. Damn it, I'm on my own. The very place I don't want to be. This is horrifying. And so this is how it can loop. Fear can manifest into anger. Fear can manifest in anger. Anger can manifest into fear. And this is how they reinforce each other in various different ways through strategies. And you think, it's like, huh, have I experienced this in my life? Have I? Have I attempted to do this? Has it played out in my life and with whom? And you may come up with a few examples. Would that be a fair statement? Can you see yourself on this side of the board, some of you? Okay. Yeah, it's horrifying. On the right side of the board, shame, a belief of being flawed. And you can think about this actually probably on your time coming, coming here. I, I could imagine there was some fear that some of you had about traveling, coming, especially with the, all the noise that's happening. You know, it's like, don't leave your home, don't talk to people, don't do anything. It's like, cover up and hunker down. You know, and there's, there's this fear experience out there. And I could imagine some of you, maybe all of you, experienced some semblance of fear on your way here. And I could imagine bubbled up into some anger at times as well. It's like, I'm just trying to take care of myself, damn it. Just trying to retreat with some cool people. <laughs> Go do some yoga in the jungle. It's like, what's the big deal? Then I can imagine on the right side of the board, shame, I could imagine for some of you, some people weren't so pleased with you coming here and probably had a lot to say to you. I could imagine that. Why would you be doing this? This is not safe. You should stay home. You're being irresponsible. These kinds of things. I could imagine some of you heard this and how that can manifest into this experience. It's like, hmm, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And doubt and concern. And, hmm. Maybe I'm not this and that and all these kinds of things and how shame can manifest into this experience or this conversation that maybe I'm not making the right decisions for myself. A shame-based experience, we're attempting to avoid criticism and humiliation. Criticism and humiliation. And so those conversations, like, why would you be going on a retreat? It's like, ah, <laughs> criticism, criticism. This is not good, I don't like criticism. The concern is that we lead ourselves into the self-loathing and self-disgust experience. And if you've ever been there, it's an unpleasant place to be. And you've been there many times. How we can drop into the self-loathing experience where we're disgusted by our own presence and our own existence. And that is a stiff experience to be in. And that's which shame can take us. Where the conversation is so gripping and punishing, it's brutal. The qualities is we tend to control, we compete, and we become that much more rigid. Because <laughs> it's all about winning. That's the tendency. And the shame-based experience is about winning in so many different ways. The focal point is on tasks. Give me something do, to do. Give me something to do. And so a shame-based experience those in a shame-based experience tend, to, tend not to go into relationship. They go into task-oriented oriented, um, behaviors. Like, give me a spreadsheet to work out, or ah, I don't know, it's like, let me fix the lawnmower, or I don't know, whatever. Like some task-oriented thing where we can funnel ourselves into that. That's the tendency. And so we move away from people. That's what's often occurring when it's a shame-based experience. 
We're looking to control something, compete against ourselves in various different ways, and become rigid as a consequence. And it goes something like, I'll prove to myself that I have worth by doing this. I'll prove to other people that I got my life together and I can do stuff. Look at that lawnmower, it works. Look at this beautiful spreadsheet, it's brilliant. <laughs> and so we seek safety in perfecting and that's the tendency is task oriented um, behaviors are supported by perfectionism. The tendency to perfect. If I perfect this, there will be no criticism. If there's no criticism, I will not be humiliated. It's perfect. This is perfect, I'm perfect. Ah, my world is perfect. And it's one of the ways in which we create safety for ourselves. Perfection, perfection, perfection. It's a high standard to live into and is detrimental in a whole host of different ways because we don't take care of ourselves. And it's one of the pathways in which we lead ourselves to feeling taken advantage of, which will lead us to anger. Why do I have to do everything? Nobody's doing anything. I gotta do everything. And the tendency is we don't let anybody do anything <laughs> because they get it wrong. It wouldn't be perfect. Stimulates in others feeling powerless and devalued because we're constantly taking things away from people, not giving people opportunities. Uh, you're cutting that lettuce totally wrong. <laughs> so just move out of the way, so I will do it. <laughs> you didn't do this right. You didn't do that right. <clears throat> and so we constantly, in this state, start taking things from people. You can't possibly plan that appropriately, so I will take it over. Yes, I'm supposed to be working in this collaborative group, but you're useless. <laughs> and so I'll just do it all. And then you can just sit around being useless. <laughs> and the outcome is criticism and humiliation because people get fed up of that. They get fed up of feeling powerless and devalued. It's like, hey, let me cut the damn lettuce how I want. I'm making the frickin' salad, trying to participate. I'm doing this because this is how I want to do it. And I have value. Why are you attempting to devalue me constantly? No, stop it. Whatever you say, piss off, whatever in those moments. And what ends up happening is like, whoa, criticism, this is not good, this is not good and this experience of humiliation, which will spark anger. Somebody's unhappy with us, we're unhappy with ourselves and them as well because they're pointing out a flaw. And it's like, uh-uh, nope. And so what ends up happening is we go places we don't want to be and experience and reinforce shame. And so these are two mm, strategies motions and strategies that we can play out that reinforce this anger experience where the angry you comes out and hot damn, you're hot. <laughs> you're hot when you come out. And down in this chain, 
again, in short term. Long-term consequences are not in the view, and so we can create a mess very quickly. And sometimes things don't survive. Things don't survive in the short term, like relationships. You ever lost a relationship out of anger? I could imagine, yes. I could imagine. Or the relationship transformed, it was never the same. I could imagine that. You gave up on something you cared about out of anger. I could imagine that. And so when it comes out, the angry you, often it's not integrated. And so the attempt this morning is to practice anger. It's kind of a weird thing, right? It's like yoga's supposed to be peaceful? What the hell's going on here? <laughs> and perhaps that is an outcome. Maybe it would be that much more peaceful at the end of this practice. Perhaps. But the call forth, the monstrous you. That's the request. To get into this place, you probably don't want to go. An attempt to keep yourself contained. <clears throat> Stay down there, angry, angry, angry you. Stay down there. <laughs> if we're not expressing anger in a responsible way, it'll catch up to us. <clears throat> it will do that. It'll create dis-ease, a loss of ease, and it'll manifest into dis-ease at some point. And so the idea is to practice anger in a responsible way. You have lots of reason to be angry. Lists and lists of why you need to be angry. You've lived some life. <laughs> you have some feet, uh, some life under your feet. If you go in the past, you'll have all sorts of reasons why to be angry. If you look at your present life, there's lots of reasons why to be angry. And so to let that bubble up and come out, and to move it. What a brilliant thing. And so I have a question for you. Maybe two. We'll see. Which side of the board do you relate to the most? Fear or shame? Both, yes, but one's more prevalent. One's more, hmm. One's more, what would you say? Got more, juice. more juice, thank you, I like that. More juice, yeah, has more oomph, some more juice. So fear here, okay, good, who else? Shame? Shame? Okay. It's good to know. You want to know these things. This is very telling. It gives you access to yourself. And you want to know yourself. This is how we become automatic, habitual, where these things just start doing us and we lose sight of ourselves. But people don't lose sight of us. They're watching us and tracking us, and especially paying attention to when the angry you starts to bubble up. It's like, oh, shit. I need to start tiptoeing. I need to pucker up, be on my best behavior. <laughs> I best get myself in order because something is coming that I don't want to come. And that's how you terrify people. And you are terrifying, that is for sure. And if you want evidence of that, just ask the people that are closest to you. I don't know if they'll be honest, because they're so terrified of you. <laughs> However, 
it's a good thing to look at. If you're able to get yourself under some semblance of discipline with respect to your anger, that's a good thing. And I'm not suggesting you haven't, but it's a good focus nonetheless. And to use it wisely, to use it in a sophisticated way, to get you closer to what it is you want. You have to clean some things up on the pathway to what you want more of. And so, welcome to the practice. I look forward to being with the angry you. <laughs> and do not hold back. Move yourself. This takes courage. Courage. You can just kind of go through the motions and these kinds of things. You'll get nothing out of it. You'll stay the same. Don't do that to yourself. That's the last thing you want to be, is you. <laughs> so this is the way you start to separate from you, and that is a good idea. You need to do that. And so let this be the practice. All right. A great pleasure to be with you. Thanks for listening. Into practice we move. Wow! Fiery practice it will be. All right, to your mats. <laughs>